All right. Welcome in, everybody, to your divisional, that's right, divisional round of the playoffs episode of the Blue and Orange Football Podcast. I am your host, Jacob, over at Rochism13 on Twitter and now TikTok. Um, If you want to see something stupid, go to my TikTok. Uh, Joined, as always, by my co-host, Isaac. And Isaac, right off the rip, we got to talk about it. There's an elephant in the room. It's not a real elephant. It's not even a negative thing. I still, I need confirmation from you that what I saw on Sunday was real and I didn't dream it up. It was real, man. And it was one of the best, especially the first, the, the best first quarters I've ever witnessed in football. And don't give me, like, guys, listen, I like the Browns. Um, I can't consider myself a full Browns fan because I'm a Giants fan, number one. But I really do enjoy the Browns. And seeing that first quarter, like, I got extreme enjoyment out of it. I can't even imagine how you felt watching that. So, I, um, and people that follow me on Twitter, will know this as well, as well as a few of my friends that I was uh, live live messaging and texting back and forth. And I did send a few texts to you, but uh, not quite as aggressive as I did to some, <laughs> some of my other friends. Uh, so I, um, I, I told you all week, and I told you on the show last week that I, uh, I thought we had a shot. And, and yeah. I, thought, I thought part of what I thought we the biggest reason I thought we had a shot was that, uh, nobody was giving us a shot. And, 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 and in the past it's made sense. And, and, you know, and of course there was the juju comments, uh, the Browns is the Browns, uh, which is now a billboard in Cleveland. If you find it, that, uh, they have it on I two seventy. So (laughs) I know I wouldn't. Well, no, I mean, I would too. Like if I lived up there, I probably would have bought one too. It's makes sense. Um, but I was super ecstatic, and I, I just know that, like, we, we bu- buckled down, and I was at my dad's house, and um, and I said, you know, let's get us a, a field goal, or, or let's hold them to a field goal. Pittsburgh had the ball first. I said, let's hold them to a field goal. Let's let's maybe create some pressure. Let's, let's play press man coverage against these guys so they can't quite... Uh, get off the rip and, 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 and you know they did play that a lot they played a lot of cover two they played more cover two in the first half than they did all season which is like wild uh, but you know they, they knew they weren't going to run the ball but they were going to uh, their passes were going to essentially be extensions of the pass of the run game as they were just you know two seconds get the ball out and um, short passing game uh, been through the ball 68 times uh, that's We'll get to that later. Um, so that I was buckled in, and and you know I was I was I stand up, I pace a lot during the games, and I was like, all right, let's go, let's go. This is I, I never thought I would see a playoff game, uh, I, but in the end, I thought the Browns could win. I thought the Browns would win, uh, but I wanted them to be competitive either way. Um, I thought a 27-23, 30-27 kind of game. That's kind of somewhere around the lines I thought it was going to be. And that first snap, I think, especially if you go back in hindsight and you dissect it, that first snap that goes over Ben's head. First off, when it went over his head, I about peed myself. 
I was like, "Are what? No, this is this is stuff that I I had to check and make sure that wasn't the Browns who just snapped us as a, a, a ball over his head." Uniforms, yeah. Right, right. Am I colorblind all of a sudden? I wasn't aware that I was colorblind, so I was freaking out, and I was like, "Oh no!" You know, um, that you know, I, I assume that was kind of what was going on there, and, and 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 I think that first play was the most telling of all because for those of you that watched it, and I'm sure most of you did, the effort of Ben Roethlisberger to recover that was non-existent. He was jogging. He barely bent over. He kept looking and hoping James Conner was going to do it. He did not in any way make an effort to go to the ground. And and, and did you see how many Browns were there? There were two Steelers. And there were seven. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was five five when it got recovered. And then, of course, the other come rushing in there. That's when I knew that Pittsburgh thought they could show up like they always do. Run us out of the building, and for the first time, just showing up was not good enough. It was not good enough to beat the Cleveland Browns, and I'll say this. I'll say this. Not only was not showing up not good enough, but you were less talented than the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. And the Browns did not have their... You got outcoached by a guy that wasn't there. Yes. You got... You got outplayed. We want to talk about this Michael Dunn situation. I was scared to death with Michael Dunn playing at left guard against Cam Hayward. Do you know the times that Cam Hayward and TJ Watts' names were even called when we were talking about them not being factors? That's when they were being called. Jack Conklin went down and missed an entire half of football. And I I owe Kendall Lamb an apology right here. I will apologize to Kendall Lamb. I said you were awful. I said if you had to play in front of instead of Jack Conklin, that TJ Watt was going to eat you for breakfast and poop all over all of us as a result. And it's it's a testament to the coaching staff. I told Noel when we were watching this football game. I have seen I've watched the Giants play a lot of football. And I've watched the Giants play a lot of first quarters and first drives on the defense and offense, and you just know. You know within the first couple minutes of the game how that game is going to go. Um, you're going to see a team come out and be more physical, play with more aggression, play with more passion. And you saw that with the Browns. And the, really the tipping scales is they played that way the entire game. You know, the, the final score, while it was high scoring, does not show the narrative of that game. The Steelers got beat up and down the field nonstop consistently. I mean, the Browns exactly. played prevent for three quarters. Yeah, yeah. They, they literally, and when do you see that? They were literally playing prevent at the beginning of the second quarter. In the they first half? Like, yeah. Like, in the first half, they're playing prevent. You know, most teams are lucky to play prevent in the final minute of the game. They played it for 45 minutes. For 45 minutes. I, I, uh, when 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 Michael Dunn had to play Cam Hayward, especially, I was I was very worried. I was very worried about it because I I knew that um, you know it's Cam Hayward. I I was worried if if Joe Batonio was out there. Michael Dunn gave up I think two quarterback pressures all night. Did you know Michael Dunn? They weren't. He got 
a practice in. He had to practice this week in a parking lot doing his pass sets. And then he missed, He goes down to miss the final 14 snaps, which, by the way, Michael Dunn, I love you. Thank God you were there. You uh, will never buy a drink in Cleveland ever again. I promise you that. Uh, once again, to reiterate my apology to Kendall Lamb, who whooped TJ Watt's ass for a half of football. Thank you very much. I owe you an apology. I am sorry, sir. Uh, I will buy you a beer whenever I see you. Maybe if that happens, that would be cool. So then down goes Michael Dunn. And a guy named Blake steps in. A guy who Baker Mayfield introduced himself to in the locker room before the football game came in to play Cam Hayward. And if you watch the very first snap, he puts Cam Hayward on his ass. He came from the practice squad of the Jets on Saturday. This is a group of people that lined up and said, Hey, I know what you think about me on the other sideline. But you can kiss my ass, and I'm gonna whoop yours all night long. Yeah, it's it, it's a testament to the atmosphere of the Cleveland Browns of being able to get a guy from a practice squad, get him on a roster, and plays at that level. I mean, there, yeah, sure. I'm not saying that guys on the practice squad aren't talented enough to do that, but it takes a special place to bring that out at the flip of a switch like they did. It really does. I mean, props to the player. I'm not taking anything against away from the player. No, no, no. But that player, I guarantee you, he knows deep down that his potential was brought out that night. And it was because of his determination and work ethic and the Cleveland Browns cultivating that atmosphere to get the best out of their team. And I think, I think yeah, the, the, the Browns came out and they wanted it more. But like you said, the Browns, they played better. They were more physical. And really, to be honest, they're more talented than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it proved that, 48-37. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers got 37 points, and Ben Roethlisberger had to throw the ball nearly six. Yeah, 68. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, oh, 500 yards. Yeah, because the defense was playing 10 yards back on every snap. You you made it an 11-point game. With- even if it wasn't even the defense, if you throw the ball 70 times or 68 times, I would hope you have a lot of yards. I would hope you have I 500 would, yards. I would hope. Because if you throw for 68 times and you have 130 yards, then you're awful. Like We got an issue. Yeah. Here's here's my thing. It, it's such a breath of fresh air to to talk about the culture uh, being bad of another football team. Uh, that has been such a long time coming in Cleveland to finally get to the situation where c- culture and coaching is in the positive. Uh, they are moving in the right direction. Listen, I've come down on my high a little bit, uh, and I'm going to be completely honest. I still don't believe what happened on Sunday happened. Uh, I've watched the highlights 15 times on YouTube. Uh, I've rewatched the game like twice. Uh, I, I'm having a really tough time accepting that Pittsburgh got shit canned. Uh, I'm excited. I love it. Oh my god. I'm talking to random strangers on the street when they wear their Browns hats, and I'm yelling at random strangers on the streets to tell them go Browns. It's the wild ass world we live in right now. But this is 2020, baby. Buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I. This is going to this is going to catapult me into our our second and third talking points here, and we'll get more on the Browns 
a little bit later when we preview the divisional rounds, uh, the Browns play on my 30th birthday this weekend. So uh, it's going to be wild. I'm excited. I'm glad that that's where it follows. So so we talked about this, um, but Chase Claypool can't stop running his mouth. Uh, he's run it now twice. Um he got on, uh, for those who haven't seen it yet, he got on Twitch Live uh, and he started it out by saying that he, um, he said, yeah, it was a bad loss, but they're going to get clapped next week, so that's okay. And I got two thoughts on that, and then I'll ask you, and then we'll move on to the second thing he said today. Um, one, if the team that just clapped you gets clapped, what does that say about you? And two, no, that does not make it okay. You still suck ass. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, when I saw that, I texted you, and I made the point, I was like, look, you know, if the Browns do go and get the brakes beat off of them by the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the Browns still have something to be proud of, but what does that show against the Steelers? That means they're even worse. That's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Second, at some point in time, the player has got to let it go. You lost, okay? And you lost miserably. You lost miserably in prime time. Shut your mouth about it. That's what it comes down to. Shut your mouth about it. Move on. Look, the Browns didn't start this trash talk. They didn't? No. The Steelers started the trash talk. Juju Smith-Schuster started the trash talk. He started all of this. And now the Steelers came out on the short end of the stick. And the Browns, as anybody would, maybe they're rubbing it in a little bit. Because I would. Are you kidding me? If you I would have done worse. Like, it's say Browns is the Browns. You're freaking right that I would be all over it. Because the Browns went into that game with class and respect. Browns didn't practice for two weeks, and they beat the brakes off of you. That should embarrass all of you. And you rested some of your best players, because all of your fans reminded me that when we won Week 17 and said, oh, but TJ wasn't there. Oh, but Cam wasn't there. I was watching Sunday. Were they still resting? Yeah. yeah. I mean... Must have been. That's what it... it this is my I thing. I would have never... You're being a crybaby. And then you come out today and you say, if the Browns had more class, I wouldn't be so salty. And then doubled down and said, but they're getting clapped, so I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Well, you know what? You and I, Chase, will be doing the same thing on Sunday. We'll be watching the playoffs from our house. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we'll be. Okay, here's my thing. So he says that he doubles down, he goes on it. This is where I'm going to go into the second problem. And this is starting to become an issue. On a couple of different levels. I need to ask you if there is a culture problem in Pittsburgh. I don't like to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I believe they're about to uh, topple down to fourth in the division for the next couple of years, and I'm, like, so excited about it. So, like, let's talk about it. So, you told me, not you specifically, but everyone told me uh, many years ago it was A.B. and Le'Veon Bell, and I would have agreed with you. I I thought, at least at the end of their their runs in Pittsburgh, that they were toxic teammates. They had to get out of there. Now, all of a sudden, Juju Smith-Schuster can't shut his mouth, can't stop dancing on logos, thinks that he's not allowed to be himself, but nobody said that. It was about the logo. Chase Claypool says it's okay he got beat because the team's going to get beat that beat him. 
and he can't stop running his mouth, and he can't believe that when Juju ran his mouth, the Browns took that personal, and they wanted to clap back. And then, so Mike Tomlin let this go on. I said this week, I thought, I thought to myself, hey, is there a chance they look past the Browns? Like everybody asked that, right? And me and me and you may have had that conversation privately. Could they look past the Browns? And I said, no, I don't think Mike Tomlin, that is too good of a coached team, too good of a team top to bottom to look past the Browns. Well, guess what? They looked past the Browns. And before they even blinked, it was 28 to nothing. 28 to nothing. Let me reiterate that. It was 28 to nothing. So I there's people calling, and I think the calling for Mike Tomlin to be fired in Pittsburgh, that's just regular yinzers being yinzers. If I was in that situation and I just got beat by the Browns, I'd probably be calling for my head coach to be fired too. Um, but Mike Tomlin... It has been a long time since they've done jack in the playoffs. They'll get there, but they haven't done jack. Is there a culture problem in Pittsburgh? Do they need to move? Oh, I think there is. I think it's a toxic environment. People are just – I think there's a lot of um, individuals on that squad, not a team players. You can look at the Browns, and the Browns are about the guys beside of them. The Browns are a team. They are fighting for their for, for their teammates, for their coaches. Uh, Joel Petonio, who couldn't be there. Coach Kevin Stefanski, uh, who couldn't be there and also didn't have his sense of taste, so he couldn't even snack and stress eat like I was doing in my house. Right? I said that'd be the worst. Right, exactly, because you want to stress eat because you're like... You have a big game, you're going to make some buffalo chicken dip or some pigs in a blanket, and you're all excited, and you can't taste anything. Like, I'm just going to water this entire time. That's what I'm going to do. Water during this game, guys. I was drinking, or I was eating pigs in a blanket, but they were in cornbread. Nice. It's it pretty good. So, and, and that also compiles into the fact that I don't think they have a quarterback. They're not in a position to draft a quarterback, and that's going to be a problem. So, culture problem in Pittsburgh. Thoughts? Yeah. Yes. And to me, you want to know what one of the telltale signs you have a culture problem in Cleveland? Or not Cleveland, I'm sorry. For Pittsburgh. once we don't, but go on. <laughs> a picture of a Cleveland Browns and I was trying to talk about Steelers anyway is you have a rookie wide receiver running his mouth almost a week after a loss yeah that end of your season where are your veteran guys that are saying dude shut up it's over you have Chase Claypool and yeah he's talented I'm not taking anything against the talented rookie coming into the NFL but you are a rookie and you're running your mouth after you got the brakes off of you. Embarrassingly, on a Sunday night from a Brown squad that their head coach was not present after you rested your guys, after the Browns didn't practice for two weeks, and you, as a rookie, are talking crap. That right there is a culture problem. The veteran guys of that team should be doing something. The coach of that team should be doing something. And you, you hit the nail right on the head earlier. We all thought that it was Le'Veon Bell. And we thought it was A.B. No, I don't think it is. I think, well, yes, they had a problem. But there is a there is a root to that problem. And I think that root is the leadership of the um, Pittsburgh Steelers. There's one common denominator there. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's all I'm saying. 
Like, and I agree. You're looking at the fourth place team in the AFC North now. And it's going to be like that for a while. It's awesome. Berger, likely he's not coming back. Even if he did come back, he's not that good anymore. And you've got a lot of punks running around the field that have attitude problems. And yes, they can win games during the regular season, but when push comes to shove and when you really have to have that team mesh and click and bond together to win in the playoffs, they can't do it. Let's let's not forget that after they started eleven and zero, they went one and six, yeah. or one and five. I'm sorry, counting the playoff game. It was a colossal. I'm saying the common denominator here is Mike Tomlin. I've always hated him, but I've always respected him uh, just because he can win. Uh, yeah. But I, all I'm saying is, if you think that every person you date is crazy. Uh, the common denominator here is you. I'm just yeah, just saying. Maybe you're crazy. Um, I am though, by the way. So, uh, my poor wife. But anyway, so we will move on here. Uh, from that, um, it is very nice up here on my high horse, and I shall watch them topple all the way to the bottom and burn, <laughs> and I will laugh. <laughs> so. Let's talk about the news of the day, okay? News of the day, then we will talk about the rest of the Super Wild Card Weekend, which was super, outside of one game, which was just a, a snooze fest. But it was on Nickelodeon, so it was okay. I don't know if you watched that, but that was a lot of fun. You should have. So anyway, um, Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, being the first head coach to be hired, the former national championship winning head coach of the University of Florida and Ohio State has agreed to a contract. Um, I do not know the size of it. He has the number one overall pick um, in this upcoming draft. Uh, lots of cap space. I think they have a ton of other picks too. I, I, I can't be for sure. Uh, no, I don't think he drafts Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, but that's a conversation we can have at another time. I will give you my quick reaction to the Urban Meyer because I just have a little bit of thoughts on it. Uh, not a lot. Uh, for once, we have actual football that relates to the Browns to talk about this late in the season, not the hiring process. So let's say this about Urban Meyer. I told you this earlier today. I told it to anybody else who wanted to talk about it. I am not a huge fan of a guy that has been, you know, Urban's got, I don't know, close to 20 years of head coaching experience, but it's all at the college level. Um, I was not huge into the Chip Kelly thing. I thought it might be exciting. I really there was rumors he was going to Cleveland, and I begged for it not to happen. We saw how that. I think that Pete Carroll is the exception to the rule, but you also got to remember Pete Carroll was a head coach in the NFL before being at USC. When all of your eggs are in the college, I don't love it. Look at Cliff Kingsbury. It was fun. It was exciting. It's not working. It's not going to work. Um, I, I, I want him to be successful and I'm intrigued as hell. I don't like the hire. I don't think it works out. Look, you know, as an Ohio state fan, as an urban Meyer fan, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Absolutely. I've got a lot of respect and admiration for what he's done for the game of football, what he's done for the guys at Ohio state, what he's done for his family and the know-how to be able to step away from something that you love because of your health. So, you know, I have a two-pronged response to this, honestly, is one, I hope he's not rushing back to the game that he loves because he loves it so much and he neglects his health. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get that on anybody. 
too, as much as I like the guy and I I want him to succeed, I really do. But I share the same opinions as you. Is I'm very skeptical. As he told, I told you earlier, I'm skeptical on how well Urban Meyer fits into the NFL realm. Um, college versus NFL, much different. Much different speed, much different style. Um, just different all around. And yeah, Urban Meyer had incredibly high football IQ. He's an incredibly talented coach, and he has a way of bringing the best talent out of players. And in college, he was able to recruit and get players to, to come to them easily. But now you're going to the NFL, and it's much different. I don't see the Ohio State's offense or the Ohio State way of playing to be, you know, when Urban Meyer was there, to be very successful in the NFL. I really don't. And you've seen we've seen Chip Kelly try to bring Oregon to the NFL and it didn't work, right? I just I don't want to see that with Urban Meyer, but I'm afraid, you know, it it may not end well. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe it just takes a couple of years, a couple of seasons for him to get underneath himself and and really turn the team around. But look, like he, he's not coaching in the NFC East, so I honestly wish him the best. I really do. I wish him the absolute best. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he had all the success in the world. Um, and that's that. When he plays the Browns and he plays the Giants, I hope he loses. But it is what it is. I I'll say this. I'll I'll, I'll say one more thing. I think as the kind of uh, evaluator and coach and, 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 and teacher of men that he is, I think he has the tools to be successful. I don't want – kind of like you just said, I don't want to act like I don't think he can be because I do, but I just don't think it works out in the end. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just going to say a quick tidbit. Doesn't it feel like the hiring process is taking longer this year than last? He's the only head coach. There's still six. I know a lot of interviews are done. I really think Salah goes to the Jets. That's the one. I'm not going to touch any of the GM hires because I don't know any of them. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know GMs. I I don't know if they'll be good GMs. Uh, I know George Payton a little bit, who's now the Denver Broncos GM because the Browns uh, had some interest in him last year before they hired Andrew Barry. Um, and from everything I've heard from him, very good things. Kevin Stefanski, who I think is a wonderful football mind also believes he's George Payton knows a thing or two. So maybe Denver's onto something up there. Yeah. It, to me, it has been slow. And like what last year around this time, we have made numerous moves in the coaching world interviews. It's just, Stefanski had already been hired at this point last year, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he the, either the last one or second to last head coach to get hired? Because I know Judge was hired before Stefanski. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think the last coach to be hired. He would have been hired a year ago Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and maybe it was Saturday, something like that. I it was, it was something like that. But yeah, it, it's just with one one hiring. You know, with uh, Urban Meyer, just seems off. I want. I, I'm hoping that is not a sign of what the off season is to come. Delayed. I really don't want to see that. I don't want to see um, things get delayed and kind of pushed back, or just not as much coverage. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. I don't think it changed or anything like that. But normally in the sports world, yeah, right now with playoff talks and coaching talks, it's a busy time. 
I just don't see it right now. It could it could be one of those things where it's a domino effect. Like because last year it was kind of like that. You had the McCarthy hire, and then it was just kind of nothing was going on. A bunch of interviews, and then all of a sudden Matt Rule got hired. I know Ron Rivera got hired quickly, and then Matt Rule, Joe Judge, Kevin Stefanski, they all they all kind of – Kevin Stefanski's was, was a little bit delayed because he was still coaching yeah. uh, at that time as well, which, which was part of Joe Judge's issue as well because he was still coaching um, up in New England at the time. So that's why a lot of them, you know, were a little bit behind. Um – yeah, I think it'll start. That's a domino. I think we're going to start looking at that. Okay, let's go into Super Wild Card wrap-up. I have a couple of things about the Super Wild Card weekend. Love it. Can't wait for it again next year. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we do not need a 17th game, by the way. I don't want to see that. It's going to take away from Super Wild Card weekend. The game on Nickelodeon, which was helped out by the fact it was on Nickelodeon, it was a lot of fun. And if you didn't, watch any of it shame on all of you um for not watching it on nickelodeon not the game the game sucked um <laughs> but that's I mean, I saw the highlights of like the slime machines and yeah you know that really cool for the kids to see and learn about football so that was cool yeah there was a lot of enthusiasm too like uh there was a nickelodeon star that was helping call it uh it's like a 14 year old girl uh she's a star of one of their shows and uh when they punted the ball the first punt like, she was like, whoa, you know, like, I was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, that's like what kids do, though. So, like, I was like, that was cool. So, uh, it started off really, really well, I think, this weekend. That uh, that Colts game, man, Frank Reich has got a, a, a hard off season ahead of him. Uh, I thought the going for it on fourth and goal when they're up 10 to nothing was a bad idea. Um I, I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it, so I'm not going to question Reich, but I think he's got a lot of hard questions from the media and fans that are coming up ahead. That was a wonderful game, though. I uh, I think Phillip Rivers, he, man, did Phillip Rivers play his absolute heart out. And Josh, Josh Allen's just better. I, yeah, well, 20 years younger, too, so. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Which which is wild. Um, yeah, I, I loved that game. I thought that game was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, my favorite was the last one of the weekend. Um, I hate Lamar. I hate Lamar because the Titans dominated that first half. Lamar made one play, one play in that first half, and it was ten to ten at halftime. That's the stupid thing about it. Yeah, that's the stupid thing about Lamar. That's why he's just yeah. so frustrating. You were up ten to nothing. That you they shut down Derrick Henry, but Tannehill was firing, and all of a sudden he busted what like a six fifty yard touchdown run, and it was like you made one good play in that whole half, and here we are. I mean, he was great in the second half. Yeah, he was. I. I don't know. It was it was it was, it was frustrating. Uh, Heineke showed up. Uh, the football team showed up on Sunday night. That was a lot of fun. Tom Brady is still the goat. Tom Brady is ready to roll. Uh, we'll talk about what I think Tom Brady can do this coming weekend. Can, can we talk about Heineke, Taylor Heineke, for a little bit? Yeah. Good for that guy. Twenty six, forty four, three hundred yards, a touchdown, and an interception. I'm sorry. Did he have forty some yards rushing? Didn't he? Uh, yeah, 46-yard rushing and a touchdown. Man, you can't ask for much more competitiveness and determination from a guy that you just brought up to play in a playoff game against Tom Brady. For his first start. Like, good for that guy. He had no career touchdown passes. Like, I like that. 
it becomes a fun game, right? So, like, does somebody go after... I think it's true. Does somebody go after Heineke in the offseason to make him the starter? Good. Like, like a team like... I hate to say it, but like a team like Pittsburgh who's not in a super great position to draft a quarterback but could use one? I don't know. By good, Good for Taylor Heineke. He just made himself a lot of money is what I'm getting yeah. at. All right. And then we go on to Saturday, uh, your, or Sunday, your 1 o'clock game. Um, or I'm sorry, we forgot completely about uh, Seattle and, and my Rams. Yeah, Seattle let me down on Russell Wilson. Six and a, dude, Aaron Donald is a bad man. He is. He's a scary individual. He just dominated that game up front. It was top to bottom. It was a lot of fun. All I'm getting at is Wild Card Weekend was a ton of fun. Um, I can't wait to do it again. But now, now we're moving on to the divisional round. But first, I have a couple of things that I want to say to the haters. That's right. I got a few reminders here in the old podcaster right here. Um, Okay. Let's go down here and let's talk about this real quick. Let's talk about this. We're going to talk about the last uh, 10 games, including the playoffs, for the remaining quarterbacks that are in. The remaining quarterbacks, for everybody who's not certain on this, the remaining quarterbacks in, in the playoffs are Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Baker Mayfield. Now, let's ask... I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to read you a list. Who do you think in the last 10 games has thrown the most interceptions? Mm. Of of the remaining quarterbacks. It's not quarterbacks total. It's the remaining in the postseason. All right. Well, let me me try to recollect who they are again. Here we go. Goff, Jackson, Brady, Allen, Breeze, Mahomes, Rodgers, Mayfield. I want to say, I'm going to throw a wild one out there. I want to say it's Mahomes. It's not Mahomes. Mahomes has only thrown five, but uh, it's Jared Goff. He's thrown nine. Mm. So here are your quarterbacks in their last ten games and how many interceptions they've thrown. Jared Goff, nine. Lamar Jackson, eight. The GOAT, Tom Brady, eight. Josh Allen, six. Drew Brees, five. Patrick Mahomes, five. Aaron Rodgers, three. Baker Mayfield, one. It's impressive. One in the last ten games. And don't act like he didn't play defenses. Played Pittsburgh yeah. twice. Um, I, I, I This is my uh, a slight little Victor Mayf- Baker Mayfield victory tour that I'm going to take. Um, now, now, I also got told a couple of weeks ago, you know I was upset about this, that Baker Mayfield can only throw the ball if he is running play action. That's what we were told. Well, let me do this. Since week 13, including the play f- playoffs, passing out of an empty set, which means there is no running back for him to play action to, ladies and gentlemen, Baker Mayfield's ranks 10 p- of passes with t- that travel 10 or more yards in the air he- that are completed. He has nine. That's most in the NFL. The yards, 338, most in the NFL. Completion percentage, 78.4. That's fourth in the NFL. And his QBR is 88.99, which is fifth in the in the NFL over that time from those sets. Okay, one more thing. Denzel Ward is back. Kevin Johnson's back. That's great. 
I'm going to tell you something. You're going to think these numbers are flipped, but we're talking about we're talking about how can the Browns stop the explosive Chiefs offense, right? Well, why don't you tell me how the Chiefs offense ex- plans to stop the Browns explosive offense? Here's a comparison of their offenses. 40-point games this season. The Chiefs have one, the Browns have four. Third quarters in which they've scored three touchdowns this season. The Chiefs have one, the Browns have done it five times. 50-yard plays. The Chiefs have done it twice. The Browns have done it four times. So, we're into the divisional round. We're going off the top. We're talking game of the week, right out the game. We're talking Chiefs. We're talking Browns. That's right. We're talking about the Browns in the divisional round of the playoffs. It's a lot of fun. Here's my thing. I've worked all week on this. All week on this. The Browns get everybody back. Everybody has been activated outside of Joel Batonio. The fastest quarterback from snap to throw is Ben Roethlisberger. One of the slowest is Patrick Mahomes. Miles Garrett is healthy. He's looked the best that he's had since COVID started, since or since he had COVID. I think they can get pressure on Mahomes. I'm tired of being told that they can't win this football game. You, you, we had a lot of people crap on them all week. They went out and did the only thing they could do. They shit-canned the Steelers, and then we just tossed them in the trash. Can we remember? They they're 10-point dogs. The, the Chiefs haven't beat anybody by double-digit points since November 1st. I get it. The Chiefs are great. They're going to be a lot harder to beat, but their defense isn't Pittsburgh's. Their quarterback's a lot better, but don't they are not the 16 and 0 Patriots who were also defeatable, but more balanced on both sides. The Browns, Baker Mayfield is playing out of his mind. Nick Chubb out of his mind. Kareem Hunt against his former team. Oh, buddy, he is ready to go. Kareem Hunt, apologies. I said some mean things about you recently that you hadn't played well in like a month, and you ran so dang angry this weekend so angry could you tell the man just wanted contact if he saw a guy that was getting ready to tackle him he was lowering him shoulder and cream hunt was running him the hell over oh i listen listen give me the browns taking the browns man i i'll be honest with you i'm conflicted in this game i mean i'm down a game so i have to be super strategic with my picks here um but there is a powerful thing on being hot team in the playoffs. Um, true. I'm a believer that team talent and overall skill gets you into the playoffs. But I think that once you get into the playoffs, that I'm not saying that doesn't have anything to do with it getting to the big dance. But I have seen more teams get hot in the playoffs, stay hot, and be and win that Cinderella story. The Giants did it twice against the juggernaut of the Patriots. The, the Eagles did. Aaron Rodgers did it. Aaron Rodgers did it. It's a magical thing when a team gets hot, guys. It really is. I think the Cleveland Browns are the hottest team going into the playoffs right now. I think they're a scary team to beat. I think they're a scary team to play. And the Cleveland Browns have nothing to lose. Nothing. 
They've got nothing to lose. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns. There we go. Ring-a-ding-ding-ding-ding. Across the board. We're going brownies on Sunday. And if you thought I was insufferable on Twitter and TikTok this week, just you wait. All right. Okay. That's the energy. We got the energy portion out. All right. What's the first game that's actually getting played? I can't remember the schedule. Give me the 4 o'clock game on Saturday. That would be the Rams and the Packers. Okay, this game is really, really hard for me. Uh, Jared Goff's not 100%. I guess it's it was hard for me uh, for a little bit. John Wolford is definitely out. Jared Goff still not 100% with his broken thumb. His backup is Blake Bortles. Um I just Aaron Rodgers is is the MVP. Aaron Rodgers is rested. Aaron, yeah, it, easily yeah, easily I, Packers. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's necessarily even going to be close. Aaron Rodgers has been playing the best football of potentially his career this year. It's been incredible to watch. And that and says that, something. Yeah, and that guy's a jerk. And honestly, I don't really like him that much, but he's been playing really good football. So good for you, dude. Respect. <laughs> so we hit the Sunday night game. What do you got? Saturday night, I'm sorry. Yeah, Saturday night with the, with the Baltimore Ravens and the, the Bills Mafia. Look, this is a tough one for me. Um, Lamar Jackson is a one-play wonder, potentially, um, of making a difference in a game. I'm not saying that's the only play he'll have in the game, but as we saw against last week, it takes one play with him. And it could be a 48-yard run to the house. But Josh Allen, an MVP candidate that's been talked about a lot this year, he's playing some of the best best football he ever has. I see the conflict. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills in this. I think that Josh Allen gets it done. But I want to say I have a little bit more faith in the Bills defense than I do with the Baltimore Ravens defense. And I think that's what's going to come down to. I, I, I told you guys last weekend the Buffalo Bills will win the AFC. So I stick with the Buffalo Bills here. We're 3-3 we're three and three across the board. Um, we'll do a tiebreaker come, come championship weekend next weekend just in case if there's no yeah. some difference. All right. I think Buffalo is just too good. That's it. Uh, Lamar, though, like you said, he, he could house it at any point. Um, and I just... It's hard to bet against that, but I think the Bills, the Bills have the personnel to to, to play against them. Yeah. So that puts us with the battle of the <laughs> legends. Yeah, and this one's so intriguing to me because you've got Tom Brady, you've got a new team, some familiar faces, but a new coach and a warmer environment, and you've got. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Alvin Kamara. I mean, both teams are loaded with talent. They really are. Which team comes down to it? Man, it's tough for me. It really is. But I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints to beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday evening. I I really good. I was just saying, I think this is Drew Brees' year to make a little bit further in the playoffs. I don't see them making the whole run, but they've got a good squad, and 
this is Drew Brees' last year. I can tell. Um, I don't think this is Tom Brady's last year. Drew Brees takes this one. I really want to agree with you here, but I can't. Uh, I got to go with Tom Brady because I've made so many mistakes betting against Tom Brady in my lifetime before. And I I watched some of that New Orleans game, and I'm just not that scared of that offense. Uh, now listen, Taysom Hill, uh, Drew Brees go out there, Michael Thomas, they make me eat my words. And honestly, I hope so. I don't like Tom Brady winning. We all know I don't like Tom Brady. But I, I just, I got a feeling. I think the GOAT goats on Sunday. And uh, there's your chance for redemption. Yeah, I mean, it, either way is not a bad pick. You really can't. I mean, you can't go wrong. Tom Brady's had a phenomenal year. Drew Brees has statistically not had quite as good of a year as Tom Brady. But they're on good, both, both good teams. Um, I want to say that Sean Payton may be a little bit better of a coach than Bruce Arians. That's just my opinion. Oh, oh, by far, yeah. And maybe that's a factor, but it's Tom Brady. So I wouldn't be surprised if I go down and lose another game this weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised if you drop this game next weekend. It's it's such a toss-up. It really is. It's going to be a good one to watch. Yeah, I've already uh, – I'm working on uh, – working up the courage to buy the Pittsburgh Steelers shirt that I have to wear – it will be posted on TikTok, on social media. I am a man of my word, but it will be burned immediately following the evening. So, and if you feel better, you can video and live feed the burning of that shirt. It would make me feel better, yeah. So, there you go. All right, there we are. We have a deal. All right, well, that wraps up our divisional round episode of the Blue and Orange Football Podcast. If you stuck around this long, you're probably related to me. So, we will see you next week, and as always... Go Browns.